the sounds of springtime in Australia. And not just any spring, but for many wool growers, one of the best seasons in living memory after good rains throughout the year. Hello, I'm Marius Cumming and in this edition of The Yarn, we'll hear from wool's top brass about demand in key markets and we meet one of AWI's key players. I bet you've never heard of him, but he is vital to what we do. Before that, the Wool Exchange portal has been given the green light by the Board of Australian Wool Innovation after some two years of debate and consultation. It is a big decision and one that now requires a business case before investment with the Wool Exchange Portal Working Group to report in April about how to move ahead and build such an online selling system. Chair of the group is Will Wilson and he says the green light comes with some big guarantees. Certainly the working group was only happy to recommend to move forward to the next phase, noting the following ideas or concepts that must be enshrined in this idea of, of a wool exchange portal. Firstly, while the operation of the open cry auction has served the industry well and continues to, there is a need to further investigate where efficiencies can be created for example, by providing for electronic access to the existing open cry auction. Secondly, that, that if a wool exchange portal is going to deliver value to the industry, it needs to be a collaborative effort of not only AWI and wool growers, but also AWTA, the testing authority, and AWEX as well. A collaboration between the three industry institutions will really provide the value, if you like, that'll ensure the wool exchange portal success. Uh, thirdly, I think that there was, it was very important that the wool exchange portal enshrined the role of the broker and the importance of the broker in delivering wool growers' wool to market and indeed provide the market, if you like, the ability to see the value add that the broker uh, provides in getting wool growers' wool to market. Fourthly, uh, it was very important that the, the integrity of the ex existing testing regime was enshrined within a wool exchange portal. In no way did the working group uh, envisage that the, a wool exchange portal would compromise Australian wool testing standards. And finally, that there are a lot of strengths that uh, are part of the existing selling system and that the wool exchange portal must basically enshrine and build on those strengths. And so those strengths involve things like the opportunity to sample wool in order that wool can receive the highest possible premiums uh, from buyers around the world. And secondly, things like uh, the existing financing system for the wool industry, you know, very much a, a high level uh, of quality and, and strength to the existing process. So it sounds as though the hardest work is perhaps in front of you. The decision to move ahead has been made, but the decision to build and how it is built is perhaps the hardest one. And then I don't think it's widely known that uh, you've had extensive experience in the move from the Australian Stock Exchange to uh, electronic uh, trading away from open cry. So the other question, of course, is how does this evolve alongside or as a replacement to the open cry? Just to, to um, correct you a bit there, my involvement was with the Sydney Futures Exchange. I was on, on the board and, and, a, and a 
futures broker at the time that the decision was made to transition from an exchange that um, basically operated the open cry auction system, if you like, to one of fully automated trading. And indeed, it was difficult. Uh, uh, but you know, you said the hardest work is in front of us. I think, in a way, you know, one of the hardest parts of, of making that transition was bringing the industry you know, along to, to seeing that it was going to be a benefit to everyone. And I think that's part of what the working group was, was uh, impanelled to do. But you're quite right. I mean, uh, now the devil is in the detail. You know, what will the design look like of a wool exchange portal and how will it deliver on those aims that were you know, obviously articulated by the wool selling system review of creating greater transparency, providing cost savings and efficiencies, and indeed greater competitive tension in the process of getting wool from the sheep's back to the ship's rail. Wool Exchange Working Group Chairman Will Wilson, and note to self there to do my homework a little better. Time to hear from what's happening overseas, and Peter Ackroyd is the President of the International Wool Textile Organisation. He's also a global advisor to AWI and Woolmark. He was in Australia recently and has some cautiously optimistic things to say about the global demand for wool. We've just gone through a whole series of trade fairs in the Northern Hemisphere for weavers and spinners where I think the take-up of sampling for worsted fabrics and worsted yarns for the uh, autumn, winter, Northern Hemisphere 17-18 has been good. comes on the back of a good season last year of some promising signs in certain markets and some doubtful signs in other markets. The promising signs, I believe, are that the Chinese market is back. I had to report, I think, two years ago that some levels of activity were 20% down in China because of the crackdown on gifting and, uh, and, and uh, corruption. The levels of activity in men's suiting, for example, in, uh, in China have come back, and a lot of it is, uh, is, is supplied by Italian and British and... Uh, and Northern Hemisphere weavers, so that, that's a good sign. There's some good signs that mercerized knitwear is back in Japan and North America, so the spinners are relatively happy. There's always a, for every plus, there's a bit of a minus. I think the Japanese market that's been particularly well, performing particularly well over the last five years since the global financial crisis began to bite, has probably plateaued, so um, that's a minus. But Generally, things are looking relatively good. Well, this uh, this is good news. In terms of the, the broader microns, that has certainly come off the boil in recent times. Uh, is there any reason for that? There was a massive surge in demand in Asia for overcoats, particularly for women's wear. It was a double-faced fabric woven in China, and it sent the prices of cardings and skirtings moving relatively high. Crossbred prices were good. And this fashion trend was quite extraordinary. It started in Europe on the catwalks uh, with Balenciaga, Max Mara in Paris and Milan. It was then plagiarized and copied in Korea and China, and it hit the whole of Asia. An overcoat trend does not last for many seasons. Uh, my research tells me that women buy an overcoat once every 10 years maximum, men buy an overcoat once every 20 years. So it's bound to be a peak and then there's going to be a huge trough. So that, that trend has plateaued, as we say. Um, so we won't see the massive increase in demand that we saw for that particular trend of the double face cloth. However, the tweed jacket for men's wear, the tweed jacket for women's wear, is still very much in fashion. And woolen mills in my part of Yorkshire, where I live, 
are particularly busy. Um, I think the woolen mills of China that were making the fabric we talked about are probably less busy. Are you surprised that the trend towards uh, the lighter weight tweeds has continued for so long because uh, uh, trends seem to uh, work in waves, of course, but this has been one that's uh, persisted? Let's not forget that we've lived through a relatively serious financial crisis for the last, uh, well, since 2008, since um, the Lehman Brothers problem, and people have been investing in rather traditional things things that last, and tweed certainly lasts. Um, I remember going to my tailor on South, just off Savile Row and seeing a Harris tweed jacket that had been uh, made for the Duke of Edinburgh in 1947, and that was in last year. They were just retouching the sleeves, so tweed does last. Peter Ackroyd, President of the International Wool Textile Organisation, letting us know of his royal connections. He is an important man for wool, as is this person, Jeff Ma. You may not have heard of him, but he's the country manager for China for Woolmark. He's got an important role to play, given that 80% of Australian wool heads to China, but 50% of that is sold in China at retail. Jeff Ma says China is a rapidly changing market. There's a lot of you know change in the last 5-10 years, all positive. I think from AWS perspective, 10 years ago, China is really the world's factory that represent the largest base of production and exports on um, textile and garments. But when you look at the growing you know, demand of, from the local you know, consumers and also um, emerging middle class, China also represents as one of the most important consumer markets uh, in the world. So we really want to capture the value of that growing consumptions. So you have two significant roles, uh, as I understand. Mm -hmm. You deal with the, the processes, but you also yeah. deal with consumers. And, mm -hmm. and to deal with consumers, you mm -hmm. have to, I presume, identify the important and growing retailers yeah. and get wool into those retail stores and work yeah. with the designers to also get wool into those stores. How do you identify where the growth markets are? Exactly. Uh, our marketing is really based on the relationship and the partnership with the local retail brands or retailers. Right now we are running a network of about 60 brands. These brands are really in you know, a premium position. Their price point is you know, exactly what Marino want to work with. And uh, their consumer is mainly based in the key cities, Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou, and Shenzhen, with uh, you know, good disposable uh, income, well-educated, well-traveled, who appreciate the quality of Merino a lot, and who becomes more concerning about the quality lifestyle and, uh, and the tastes. What are your uh, key things at the moment? What are you busy at doing at the moment? At the moment, we just engaged one of the most important retailer in Greater China, which is Lang Crawford. We just signed a partnership with Lang Crawford on IWP, uh, and we are also developing a new project in the sportswear arena to work with uh, Lang Crawford and their you know, assigned designers to uh, develop a series of fitness and fashion collections. That's Jeff Ma, AWI's country manager in China. So before you go, let me just say thank you to the growing list of listeners to The Yarn. And we've had our first request, Tom Dennis, a Polworth breeder from Victoria, very famous surname for Polworths actually, has asked about the role of provenance in our marketing. 
And so we will discuss this in the next episode as there's actually a bit of news coming on that front as well. So if you have a question, please send it through to me, marius.coming at wool.com. And from the yarn, it's bye for now.